podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the week of the grand final of our sport. We go to Qatar. Many things are happening in the background and Daniel Ricciardo drives down the western coast. Not of the United States of America, but of Australia. Welcome to this episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast, where we preview the Qatar Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, Freya Brosma. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you doing? Am I the only person who's a little bit teary after seeing that Western Australia tourism video with Daniel Ricciardo? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think so. Good to know. Thank you. Uh, unless you live in the West, in which case you will share it. All 17 of you who live over there will share it to within an inch of its life. No, it is a very, very, very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful video. Well made. Um, great little uh, clip. If you need some DR content, you've missed him for the last little while, listener, viewer, do yourself a favour and go and check it out. It is a, it is honestly a great, a great watch um, and it is very exciting. The other thing that's very exciting, Freya, Jess Hawkins, finally in a Formula One car um, and very excitingly had a really great time by all accounts uh, with the Aston Martin team from last year's car. So... Fantastic to see this happen. When I saw the news come out, this has happened, and obviously she's been keeping it under wraps for a while because I think there was a lot of concern as to whether or not it would actually happen. You know, it's one of those things that you are so looking forward to, but there's so many things that could stop it from going ahead that Jess Hawkins herself actually had to keep this a secret for a very long time. And when it finally made the news that this was this had happened, not was going to happen, but has taken place. I know that I'm not the only person out there who had a massive grin on their face. So Jessica Hawkins has become the first woman to test a Formula One car. This is since 2018 um, and she did a run in Budapest. So over in the Hungaring, which is Hungora Ring, which is just, Come on, pronounce sorry, it properly. I should Hungara be saying. Ring. <laughs> like, I know this is way too simple and understated for everybody involved. Hungora Ring, she did that and mm. it was fantastic. And it sounded like it wasn't the actually the most simple of weekends as they might have hoped. So only a 28-year-old, there had been rain off and on that weekend. She managed to complete 26 laps, but they had had some pretty heavy downpour beforehand. So she was kind of dealing with some damp corners and that type of thing, but it was only after three laps that they found that she was coming up to the kind of speed test expectations that they had hoped from her, which is just fantastic to see. And they're planning for another test with her, which is just phenomenal. And I hate that this incredible news has been had a sour turn on it by some of the horrific comments that we've seen online, but we're not going to talk about those here. We will acknowledge that they exist because pretending that they don't doesn't help either. It just emphasises the fact that we need to talk about this and how wonderful it is even more. So I'm stoked, James. How are you feeling? Yes, excuse me. I I meant 2021 car because I have no idea what year it is because time is a social construct as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't exist. Uh, So the previous generation of car, it's a good, it's a good, 
um, starting point, I think, to talk about, we're talking about Qatar. The last time we went to Qatar was in 2021. Of course, we had a break last year because of the World Cup. And um, Lance Stroll in his Aston Martin was uh, actually pretty good around here in that in that 2021 Aston Martin. So um, it did have some ability to do some things well, even with Lance Stroll. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, the commentary around lap times and everything else is neither here nor there. Um, I, I thought it was pretty disgusting too. Uh, why aren't these people asking about Lance Stroll's lap times? You can see it at their shit house. So uh, you know, why? Well, any, anyway, um, I think it's I think it's fantastic for the sport more generally for Jess, of course, as well um, for everyone out there just to see that you can have this opportunity. And this is obviously what we're building up with F1 Academy. Uh, what if what W Series has done in the past, other sports like Extreme and everything else, trying to bring that uh, equality game to the front because. It's like, as long as you're fast, who cares who you are? I think that's fantastic. And well done, Aston Martin, for uh, yep. for getting that sorted out as well. Uh, another team who has got it sorted out, maybe not in the way that they would like Freya, is Williams. The, what they do have sorted out, though, is their communications. Whoever is behind these videos with James Vowles doing explainers, pay rise for you and hats, all of the hats off, all of the Lakeside Drive hats off to you. Um, because it has been quite a quite an interesting week. Of course, he's come out to say that the team isn't where they want to be. They're chasing a certain position in the championship and also that they're continuing to put their faith in Logan Sargent, working with him all the way to next year. And to quote James Vowles, we want to see him in the car for next season too, which kind of puts to bed a couple of potential rumours, although we do know that this is Formula One and uh, that might not necessarily be the case when we come to Abu Dhabi. Well, that's it, right? Like it does and it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? In that they have put this support behind their driver, which I think is amazing. You know, we don't see this very often where a Tim Prentzel comes out and says, this driver has these goals before the end of the year. We are completely behind him. His incidents on track are masking the progress that he has made, which we are actually really impressed with. And that if you actually zone in on lap times per qualifying, this type of thing, he's actually not that far behind Alex Albon in like, you know, he's nowhere near as behind Alex Albon as Lance Stroll is behind Fernando Alonso, for example. However, Lance Stroll is also not putting it into a wall every weekend. So Hmm. there are some questions there, but what I would say is that regardless of what you think about Logan Sargent as a driver, it's super interesting how they are coming out publicly, clearly in support of their driver and their goals for him. Now, I think the challenge here and what is probably putting a bit of a sceptical edge on that is that they're not partnering that outward support with a contract. You know, they've come out and said, we want to see him in the car next year. He has these goals. He's made incredible progress. We support him. It's like, okay, well then give him the seat for next year, but they haven't done that yet. So I think that's probably putting a little bit of a sceptical edge on some of these videos that we are seeing. But at the same time, no one has done it like James Vowles is doing it for Williams in the moment. It's so empathetic, but it's so objective. At the same time, it's really clear. It's answering the questions that we're asking. It's just that it's stopping just short of making the contractual commitment that goes with their support of him. What did you think? Yeah, look, I mean, it's an interesting situation. The one thing that 
you know, the only, the, the main driver in contention for that seat, it's not Mick Schumacher, it's Liam Lawson. Yeah. But for all of the tinfoil beanie, you know, reasons that we have on this podcast, it makes sense for Red Bull Racing to hold on to Lawson. And as Christian Horner said, you know, would Williams want to have a driver for, for, for a year? Um, you know, is it better to to back their junior driver for a second year in the sport or to bring in someone who potentially might be faster? Of course, this car might be a bit of a dog. So it might be very hard to drive from that point of view, although Alex Albon showing that sometimes it's not. Yeah, look, I think uh, from a leadership point of view, it's it's phenomenal. You can see that James has obviously developed his own leadership style under someone like Toto Wolff and from a, from years of dominance in the Mercedes garage to, to bring that sort of mentality across to Williams I think is great. But also, you know, they've got nothing to lose by being honest. They're not that far up the grid, not where they want to be yeah. anyway. So to give themselves a target publicly, I think is a really good thing to do just to back themselves in. Um, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, who who else is there to replace Logan Sargent makes sense for Williams as an organisation uh, when considering the rest of the drivers who are around there are juniors for, you know, other teams like Red Bull or Alpine or whoever else. So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, he's obviously got a couple of races now left to prove himself and Williams are, or James specifically isn't going to rush to make a decision. But as you said, he has the highest damage bill out of any driver in Formula One currently, much more than what he's actually being paid to. So there has to be a time where the return on investment is such that if you're spending more money by crashing the car on the weekend because you can't get to grips with it, then unfortunately you're just going to have to go. And I do have a question about that, right, because we've got rookies who have managed to come in and not do that, right? You know, we're not associating a high crash rate with Charles Leclerc, with Oscar Piastri, um, even with, you know, uh, Norris when he came in. We don't have that. But then we do have other drivers like Mick, um, like Latifi, like Logan, who we have this kind of association with, but they have all come out of essentially two teams. And so Mm -hmm. there is a question there of going, is it the driver is it the fact that these are both going to be, you know, devils of cars to try and come to grips with? And while, you know, it's kind of a great place to cut your teeth in that you're going to learn to drive the most challenging car on the grid, it might not be the fastest, but it's going to be really difficult. And is that going to increase your skill level in a certain way? Um, that will set you up really well for some of the smoother rides, but very fast and ultimately more technically progressed cars on the grid. I don't know. I don't think any of us really do, but it is an interesting kind of pattern to look at. But we have seen rookies who don't have this type of kind of association with their crash, you know, you know their incidents in their first year or two that we do with, with a few others. And the question comes down to the ability of the driver or the car to wrap their head around. But well, their teammate I is not the doing the same thing, right? Like, you know, Albon's not crashing it every weekend. And whilst you can say rookie, okay, fine, but does that mean you're slower? Sure, but should, be, should you be crashing it? That seems like a different level. Those two teams have crap cars and have had crap cars for a long time. Yeah. You can listen to Latifi's interview and be on the grid about the unpredictability of the rear end of the Williams where yep. sometimes it would be great and then the next lap, with very similar conditions, it would completely change. So I think it's probably just more about the reaction time of a driver to be able to uh, control the car more so than anything else. I mean, George Rush- Russell uh, warming his tyres up. Where was it? I think uh, Hungary 
or somewhere like that, put it into the wall behind the safety car. True. Yes. Yep. You know, that was a Williams. Uh, Haas haven't developed their own car for a very long time, well, ever. ever. So <laughs> you've, you've got a really predictable, unpredictable car there too. You know, look, at the end of the day, Oscar had a dog of a car at the beginning of this year um, and didn't put it into the wall. You know, his first accident was, um, you know, a lot further down the grid, sorry, along the calendar than probably um, a lot of people would have expected for mm. rookies, he says. But, yeah, I think when you have an unpredictable design philosophy, um, it's uh, it's hard to drive. Let's keep talking now about um, Mick Schumacher, if we can. Um, we'll focus in on Jack Doohan too because both of these guys look like they're going to weck um, to uh, to drive with Alpine. Now, Toto Wolff has said that Mick Schumacher still has the role as the Mercedes reserve driver, regardless of what other drives he has outside of Formula One. Of course, lots of people are talking about him going to Williams. Williams have said they've seen his simulation, simulated data and they're not all that interested in him as a driver, which I think is still quite an interesting <laughs> thought process. Mm-hmm. Poor Mick. But at least for WEC, and it is, it's fine for drivers. Unfortunately, there's only 20 spots on the grid. You can't always end up going there uh, to Formula One. Sometimes you have to go to Indy, Formula E, or even to WEC. And look at Antonio Giovinazzi had an absolutely stunning season winning the Le Mans 24-hour, of course, uh, with Ferrari there. And he's still the Ferrari reserve driver too. It could be a good little pairing, I think, Freya, because both of these guys are mates, but they're also both very quick. Uh, and it would be a good opportunity to show their pace in uh, in a different category. It's super interesting, isn't it, right, when you find drivers who are on the cusp of Formula One or maybe even had a taste of it but not necessarily had that immediate success that suggests that they're going to have a career in F1 straight kind of out of the gate as to whether or not you don't make a plan B and you focus solely on Formula One and hold that goal in kind of a, a kind of a absolute death group in terms of absolutely I'm not looking towards anything else. This is the ultimate goal. That's what I'm planning on doing. But could you have an equally fulfilling experience as a driver having more success and immediate welcoming? in a series that might not be the highest standard of motorsport globally, but it's surely the highest standard of endurance sport in a kind of performance car way. You know, you can talk about endurance in lots of different, in lots of different ways, but in ter- certainly when it comes to these types of cars that WEC is kind of where it's at. And you would say, okay, you haven't necessarily reached what many people would say is the kind of highest echelon of racing, but what is your life like as a driver? You know, are you being more yeah. fulfilled? Are you having more success? Are you having a better experience rather and and even just from a kind of world stage perspective, is it more enjoyable being ever so slightly out of that circus of a spotlight? And that's a huge decision and question to make and I think the, the challenge is that the second you show that you're interested in something else, you compromise your potential career in Formula One, which is a a big question and kind of decision to make so early on. But we've seen it with other drivers. They've, like you said, um, Giovinazzi has been um, extremely successful. He's so difficult decision, 
but with potentially really high payoffs when it comes to your your own experience. We uh, it's interesting. Uh, I listened to slash edited a uh, Formula E podcast last week, and uh, Jahan Deruvla, who's been in Formula Two for quite a long time, still there this year, but he's just announced to drive for Maserati MSG yep. in Formula E for next season, and uh, was talking to uh, the the interviewer and basically said, you know, look in F two, everyone's going for Formula One and uh, your teammates, there's no help there. Everyone is competing with every single other person on the grid. Whereas if you translate that across to Formula One, obviously, but also Formula more so Formula E, Indy, WEC, whatever, you know, you want to talk about a different racing series altogether, suddenly the team becomes a lot more welcoming. You end up working together as a partnership to move the team forward. Um, and so for a lot of these juniors who don't get that opportunity to get to Formula One, they I think they find it very interesting. And if you've been into a different paddock before that's not Formula One, drivers are so much more relaxed. Everyone's a lot happier. Teams are happier. The, the fans have more access. Now, that also goes to V8 Supercars as well. Yep. And I think that's a it's a really good place to be. The, the difference, though, for a sport like Formula E is that Stoffel Van Dorn has experience in Formula One, whereas, you know, Jahan doesn't so he knows and, and same with Wemmy and, and a few others on that grid they know what it's like in Formula One so they can go okay well had my shot didn't work out unfortunately for the others is they'll always have that what if moment 100% um, which is which will be difficult for them to manage but look at the end of the day racing is racing and if you're a racer at heart and you get an opportunity to be part of a, a team and for Jahan to be part of a Maserati outfit I think is incredible for for him, Nick DeVries is going back to Formula E in Mahindra too, which I think is great for him too. He's a great Formula E driver. He's a great driver. Just didn't work uh, at AlphaTauri for him. And by all accounts, a really lovely person too. Still a person in the same way that Logan Sargent is and Sergio Perez is and everyone else that we talk about. So important to remember that. But uh, anyway, I think, it, I think it'll be really good. And I'm excited for Mick to be able to go and do something else rather than just going, I used to drive for Haas and now I drive for Mercedes. If he was able to do a WEC championship, uh, drive and get a result, then I think that'd be great. But so much of this stuff comes down to what you define as success. And so if you have somebody who's saying, I will not have been successful until I have a, you know, two-year contract in a Formula One seat or I've won a world championship as a Formula One driver or I will not be successful until I am, you know, enter goal here. <laughs> mm. If you, But if you define your success as having a fulfilling racing career where you have helped others to develop and sure you want some wins. I get that. I really do because I'm someone who's very competitive myself. I understand, you know, the want for, for wins. I do. But if your, you know, definition of success is broader than your career in Formula One, you know, who's to say that you haven't had a really successful race car driver career you know it's just that it's it's whether you whether or not you feel like this category is the be all and end all and if you do well then you've got to be one of the top 20 in the world and currently those people we're talking about might not be let's keep going now let's talk about the grand final of our sport the Bathurst 1000 this weekend um is there any parity issues in V8 supercars for <laughs> you have no idea I know if you look at if you look at this uh this uh top nines the current championship standings um, the numbers are highlighted in either a gold or a blue. The gold is GMC and the blue is Ford. So do you think there's any parity issues at the moment not with at how all, fast one of these cars? Stylist. No. Will, Will Davidson, Cam, Calm Waters, yep. you're, you're ready to go. It's fine. Calm Waters. <laughs> Calm Waters. Calm Waters. Take that, Cam. 
Uh, who needs Tickford when you've got Calm Waters sponsored by Soothing Sounds of the Calm app? Uh, look, V8 Supercars is pretty rubbish most of the time, but I think all of us motorsport fans from an Australian point of view can agree that once a year at least, it is worth watching at least a couple of hours in the uh, with the TV in the background. Starts at eleven fifteen a.m. Eastern, uh, which is good news because Qatar is four o'clock <laughs> the Monday, so you sh- nothing. You're not going to have any crossover with Formula One. Don't worry about it. Um, it's SVG's final opportunity to win at the Mountain. So he goes to NASCAR full time for next year. Yep, I think it's exciting, but Brody Kostecki is still in the lead. The <laughs> If you don't know how V8 Supercar Championship points work, neither do I. It's ridiculous. Uh, Brody Kostecki is on two thousand one hundred and seventy-one <laughs> points. So many points! How do you, how do you get that Everyone many points in V8 Supercars? Point. <laughs> That's right. And they, Oprah comes out and awards two thousand points per race point. win or something ridiculous. Uh, look, it'd be great to see SVG have a have a good time. Um, but I'm most excited about Craig Lowndes coming back. Uh, for his 20th Bathurst start in a row, which is unbelievable. He debuted in 1994 wow. with uh, HRT with Brad Jones. Um, so the fact that he's still in the car racing, really, really cool. Uh, look, this is not a V8 Supercar podcast, but we will touch on it, though, uh, with the guitar. If the guitar race is boring, we'll merge it into a V8 Supercar Bathurst 1000 race review. Also, Scott McLaughlin is exceptionally excited for SVG to go be over in the US and racing uh, NASCAR. Can confirm that as well. So he's got his hoping that he might ha- also have his eyes on on Indy as well, taking those stock cars over to Indy, taking the world by storm from uh, from that avenue, which no one's all coming. Yeah, I'm not sure necessarily he'd be so stoked if he was coming straight to Indy because <laughs> I don't know if for Scotty, I mean... SVG is like one of the fastest people in the world. He's a very tall boy as well, which is likely why he didn't get into a full-time racing career in single-seaters. But he, uh, there's plenty of stories about him racing um, the series, uh, the Formula Series in New Zealand, like spinning out on the first lap and then coming back to win <laughs> yeah. full Sergio Perez style, you know, Bahrain. Um, anyway, I think it's really, really cool. It's a, it is for, for all of the nonsense that I give this sport, and it is really struggling for viewership and everything mm. else, at least once a year. We can all agree. Uh, All right, let's go, Freya, to our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. And it comes from Ben M, who for some reason, and I I couldn't imagine why, there was lots of black and white uh, flags slash tiles being put into the chat. And I, uh, I said, I assume these black and white flags are for Kevin Magnuson. Um, and Ben M replied, sorry, we are exceeding channel limits, posting standards infringement. Um, yes, that's true, but I will let you play the advantage, unlike the umpire letting Brisbane play the advantage. Uh, I don't care one way or the other, to be honest. I don't follow that sport. I just know that's a controversial point, so I'll just chuck that out there on behalf of Campy, who I think goes to Essendon which says enough, Freya. I mean, that says a lot as well. Um, we do have to apologise to our international Discord community members, though, because it was, of course, dominated by the other grand final um, that was on this weekend, all black and white, no teeth. So always an interesting weekend in Australia, at least for the kind of southern half of the southern half of the world. I don't know. I'm a Melbourne supporter, so my heart was broken a couple of weeks ago. Um, but... I can only, you know, kind of cross my fingers for all the homes in Collingwood and various places. They were not burned down this weekend. But uh, Ben M, 
well done. You are, in fact, currently under infringement and your penalty <laughs> is to be applied at this point. We'll consider that as a team of stewards. Uh, it's likely to result in a grid penalty of some description, but that is to be decided post the start of the Qatar Grand Prix because better late than never, you know? <laughs> I was drinking in Collingwood yesterday good, and good. It's, the, it's the quietest I've ever seen Collingwood because everyone <laughs> was probably up till 3 o'clock in the morning yeah. and still in bed. Uh, so there's no problems getting any kinds of seats at venues around there. Uh, also in our Discord, cats and dogs channel, plus any other pets. If you've got any other pets or animals or any cute photos, please feel free to post them in there. Campy finally puts up his photo of him and Bonnie in the front-wheel drive highlights. Bonnie is a teddy bear. Campy is also a teddy bear pretending to be a tinfoil beanie. Um, it's well worth going and seeing that. Very cute dog. Very cute dog. She does this chew is, everything though, which is why we don't record in person anymore. This is literally like having someone in like a, I don't know, some sort of tank and then putting a kitten in the back of their tank and being like, look at yeah. my new pet. It is the least expected pet to come from Campy, but I think we're all pretty stoked about it just because it's really excellent seeing Campy having to post photos of his tiny little puppy. He's, he's just the worst at taking any kind of content of he always looks surprised and disappointed to be there. And uh, I went on to F1's Instagram again this week. Found another F1 taxi post, which is uh, not unusual for for this period of time. This time it's Seb Vettel getting a lift from a Sauber uh, after a collision with Lance Stroll when he was driving for Williams. The uh, rear left tyre of the Ferrari had put itself back up onto the Ferrari and the Ferrari was carrying its own tyre around the corner. Anyway, he retired the car. Medical cars in the background pulling up. Seb's sitting on the side. Um, anyway, the John Ma- underscore Maddox 97 says, Stroll hasn't used his mirrors since 2017. <laughs> it's so always a win. True. It's always so a win from true. me. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back in just a moment. Show some bloody respect. And we're back. Let's preview the Qatar Grand Prix properly now. We're going back to Lucille which is a MotoGP track. If you watch MotoGP, you'll know it very, very well. We did go here in 2021 for the first Qatar Grand Prix. Um, And, uh, well, it was a bit of an interesting event. This has a very, very long straight, this circuit, which uh, Mm. used to be really interesting to watch Ducatis fly down um, from MotoGP point of view when they couldn't corner all that well to catch up to the Hondas and the Yamahas and whatnot. But for the 2021 race, we had Hamilton win. Verstappen came from seventh to finish in second. Alonso held off Perez to finish in third, which was his first podium since Hungary 2014. Incredible for him. Astonishing. Um, Ocon finished in fifth and Stroll finished in sixth, as I mentioned earlier on. So it is a track that does like uh, a more slippery car course with such a massive straight but the uh sector two and three is a little bit more interesting is a little bit more technical um we certainly saw in 2021 some interesting overtakes happen as well but i what i did remember that qatar said oh well after the grand sorry after the um uh the world cup for for this year this year we'll have a dedicated new formula one built track i don't know if that's still being built uh or or not but it's not where we're racing no sales so Yep. Uh, do you have any memories at all, Freya, of this race apart from it being at night and Fernando standing on the podium? But, I mean, we both agreed that the start of this podcast at time doesn't exist anymore, right? It's like, true. Yeah. I had forgotten that last year didn't exist and I was trying to find last year's highlights and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
time stopped for World a year. Cup. I forgot. <laughs> um, so no, not really. I except that it suddenly reminded me when I did eventually remember and find the appropriate evidence that we were here two years ago. I just it suddenly brought me back to Red Bull not being dominant, but. Max being the exceptional driver that he is, which I know sounds a bit just kind of reminiscent, I suppose, or something, but watching Hamilton finish so kind of confidently and dominantly from first was just seemed so unfamiliar now based on what what our experience has been over the races this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, my only memory now really is that time does not exist. So, yep, that's where I'm at. (laughs) Let us know in the comments below if uh, if you remember anything about this Grand Prix from 2021, if you're watching on YouTube, or head across to our Discord and let us know in the F1 Race Weekend if you have any memories of it. I did watch the highlights. It, again, it wasn't a bad track. Everyone thought it was going to be terrible. but This is the thing, right? We thought it was going to be terrible, and actually it was Tommy T, or sorry, sorry, he who shall not be who? named. <laughs> he was just absolutely so unimpressed the fact that we were going here and everything around. I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of those points, but looking at the track was like, this is just not designed for F run. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible racing. It's going to be boring. Anyone who's quick on the straights is just going to dominate, blah, blah, blah. And then when we did our like review at the end of 22, what was your favorite track, Tommy T? Oh, I think Jenna might've been pretty good, but uh, yeah, Qatar really took me by surprise. Mm. Um, We all thought it was going to be terrible, but it turned out some pretty interesting racing. So it did take us by surprise and I hope that it takes us by surprise again. Well, let's have a look at our predictions for this weekend. Thomas J. Camp not joining us, but he is joining us via text message from (laughs) Taralgon this morning. Taralgon. Um, wow. Okay. I asked for his predictions for this weekend. He replied, where are we? I said, mm. Qatar. And he went, ah, uh, in the same way that Cabby goes, uh, he wrote that down before saying, <laughs> so he can't say he's not consistent. Um, for the front row, he has Max and Lewis just to do that 2021 kind of vibe. Same. And um, for the podium, he has Max, Piastri and Alonso. And for 10th, he has Carlos. And I went, ha, 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 Ferrari. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> he just right. can't help having a bit of a laugh yep. at Ferrari's James, expense. What what are your predictions? You have to go next. <laughs> that's, that's a good way of just making <laughs> you, <laughs> giving you more time. <laughs> Look, it's a, this is one of those tracks that, again, if it if it works in the way that it should be uh, not on a high, it's not high down force and it's not low down force. There's kind of a little bit there. If the car should be slippery, a car like Williams should be able to get into the point. So it'd be good for Logan Sargent to be able to show himself, although Monza should have worked for them too, but they couldn't do tyres. So, you know, it's a night race in the desert. So it will be interesting to see uh, what compounds they take and what the temperatures are, because I think that will play a big part in who sort of goes towards Mm -hmm. the front. But I think from a, a, a front row point of view, I think it'll end up being probably Max and... Lando, I think the McLaren pace is such that it's just, you know, getting up there now to be the second fastest car on the grid. Maybe Mercedes are able to make some gains at this circuit, but I get the feeling that Ferrari probably will be the one to do so more. So from a podium point of view, I think I'm going to put Max, Charles and Lewis on the podium. Uh, And then 10th, 
It's going to be it's going to be one of those midfield battles again. I mean, it depends on if anyone crashes out. Of course, I think Joe will finish in tenth for Sauber. Interesting. So the thing is that you can put somebody in tenth, and they might finish in tenth. Whereas what happens is when I put somebody in tenth, they DNF. So yeah, maybe you. Sh- so who are you putting in? <laughs> so the problem is, I can put someone in tenth who I think would actually have a really great race. Mm. If they finish in 10th position in the points, but that yes. means that they are also most likely to have their car explode. So, so, so 10th will be Max. <laughs> will be Max Verstappen. No, it'll be Lando Norris. No, it will be. Okay, so I agree. Slippery track. We've got those straights, which does make a big mm. difference. So I think my front row is probably going to be Max. I'm going to say Carlos. I feel like he's still Carlos. Sorry, sorry he's still riding on a bit of a high um, after his win. I know that some people will say that that was a one-off. I don't think it was. I think he's very, very quick, especially over that one-lap pace but still has amazing racecraft. So I'm going to go Max and Carlos. I think that he will struggle to hold off the McLaren in particular at this track because of the straights. Um like you said, they've just shown such incredible speed and pace over the last couple of races. So I think it's going to be Max, Lando and Carlos on the podium. And who shall I poison for 10th? Um, I think <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, no, no, it's not fair. Um, okay, so I want Alex Albon to finish in the points, but I don't want him to finish in 10th. I want him to finish in like 8th. So I'm not mm. going to say Alex Albon because I want him to finish higher than 10th. All right, come on. Let's just, just, just tell me. Stop no, putting it off. Who is no, going to be in 10th, Freya? No. Come on. I won't do it. Uh, okay, All fine. Right. Esteban Ocon. Esteban Ocon. Anyone from Alpine will put themselves yeah. in any way. It's unlikely that the car will make it around the circuit regardless if you put them in 10th. Well, they are our predictions for this weekend. I think SVG is going to take the win at Bathurst too, unless something ridiculous happens. It'd be good to see him go out on top in his last season of V8 Supercars. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. Make sure you're subscribed if you're watching on YouTube. A massive thank you if you've done so recently. So many more of you watching us now, which is so exciting. Um, it is great to have your company from all over the world. And, yes, it is great to have some conversations. Put some comments in there. Tell me if you think you're wrong. Uh, sorry that I'm wrong, and I'll tell you I think you're wrong. And I'll everyone tell you will if you're be, wrong. <laughs> everyone will have a great little chat, but it is great to have that involvement too. And, of course, to our Discord server, thank you to all of you who are part of that. If you'd like to join that too, you can find the link in the show description below. That's it for this episode. Freya, a massive thank you to you. We'll see you next Monday for our Qatar Grand Prix and Bathurst 1000 review if the race is boring. See you then. <laughs>